Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world of golf. This week we have an exclusive interview with Justin Rose and ask two big questions. Has Roy McIlroy lost his winning touch and does golf need a fifth major? Hi, I'm Wayne Riley, and you're listening to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, my name's Tom Clark. And as ever, I am joined by Elliot Heath. Hello, Elliot. How are you doing? Hello, Tom. Very good, thanks. Uh, another big week in golf, but also big w- another big week in your life as well, Elliot. You completed on your flat. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, moved in, did a lot of cleaning. The previous owner left it in a dire state. So cleaned the oven, cleaned the fridge, cleaned the freezer, did all that stuff. But I also had two matches, which I, said, I was going. I was going to move on to that quite quickly because no one really cares about my new flat. Really, they, they really don't. They really don't. But you had two matches at your golf club, and you managed to somehow win both of them. I did, yes. So I won my singles on the nineteenth hole. Dramatic. Were you losing at any point? Were I you... was three up after three, and then the I old was... Elliot Heath choke came out. Yeah, well, but I, my mind wasn't really on the job at hand because I you... heard that we got our keys for our flat. Um, and I just lost confidence and then was one down going down the 18th and won the 18th and then basically got handed the 19th so that's good and then the next day me and Andy played very well well done Andy carrying Elliot as ever Andy holds some clutch putts but yeah we beat a very good team on Saturday so yeah well, how was your weekend? It was fantastic. I went to the zoo for my oh, boy's birthday. We had a great time. We, Did Ethan see the It was elephants? very, very windy, but we, yeah, we saw a bit of elephant, elephant action, tigers, lions, the whole shebang. It was good fun. Nice. So, uh, was that I, London Zoo? No, it was Colchester Zoo. Uh-huh. Got a bit of wind burn, but other than that, we're all good. But anyway, let's talk about some golf. So at the weekend, there was the Arnold Palmer Invitational over in America, and Francesco Molinari won, which was his third PGA Tour title. He shot a fantastic bogey free 64 including a monster putt on the 18th hole to uh, to claim victory but Englishman Matt Fitzpatrick by two uh, and there was a very strong European showing first time in 15 years no Americans in the top five on the PJ Tour uh, so Molinari in the last 12 months he's won the BMW PJ Championship won the Quicken Loans National won the Open been part of winning the Ryder Cup and now he's won the Arnold Palmer Invitational he's not playing badly is he? Yeah, it was brilliant. A great European showing as well. We had Cabrera Bayo up there, Fitzpatrick I thought was quite good, although I didn't think he hit the ball long enough, which was quite a detriment to him. Well, Fitzpatrick doesn't hit it very long, but he's got a really, really good short game. It's just that they could, they just, Fitzpatrick and Rory were playing together and they just weren't holding anything. Now, maybe it's because he was playing with Rory, it made it look like he was even shorter but Rory was like 40 or 50 yards I think on the final hole I think it was they showed a graphic and Rory hit it 350 and Fitzpatrick hit it 310 so but Rory's going to be miles ahead of anybody at that point isn't he so yeah but Fitzpatrick's a very very solid player yeah definitely because that really hasn't held the 54 lead on the PGA Tour ever I don't think so to play that well is impressive But Molinari was just incredible, wasn't he? He matched McElroy's 64 from last year. And to be honest with you, I don't know how he did it when you look at how tough the course was playing. Yeah. He just, yeah, just holds those putts. He holds some monster putts. 
He chipped in as well. Uh, he was just in the zone. When he's playing well, he is unbeatable. He is the best player in the world when he's on form. You've said that about four different players this year, I think. Yeah, well, he he's in that very top elite. He is. He's, but he's playing brilliantly. The thing which has really improved for him is his putting. He was always known as quite a bad putter. I always remember watching him and his brother play at the 2010 Ryder Cup at Kelty Manor. And Eduardo, always a very good putter. And he was... When they were playing four four balls, Francesco didn't hold a thing. He was just dreadful from any distance. Now, he's got such confidence in his putting that they're just racing in the... The ball really hits the back of the hole and uh, he's playing really well. And something we probably need to mention is that he has changed his clubs um, since last year when he had so well. He's also changed his putter. And it was all announced last year, uh, last week actually, that he he'd moved over and, so, and signed an equipment contract with Callaway, and we were wondering, oh well, maybe he's going to take a little bit of time to bed in, and you know, how's it going to go? Well, that's, this has shut us up, hasn't it? Well, he's been using them since January, all so yeah, three, yeah. three months now. Yeah, I know it was only it was only um, it was only announced uh, last week, and he had been using them since January. But actually, he hasn't played that much. He's had a bit of an injury. He's not really. We haven't really seen him, have we, this, this year? No. Um, I did see a headline yesterday on an American golf website saying Molinari proves that last summer wasn't a fluke. I just thought that was quite disrespectful. I and th- I, was, well, it may be. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, though, because I think some people may have thought, you know, last year was just, you know, one of those. It's going to be that, that one year. One year that we're going to remember Molinari, and is, is he actually going to be able to to hit those heights again? But and he's you, always been a great winner. Yeah, he's been a well, he's been a decent winner, but he hasn't re. At the start of last year, would we have thought that Molinari, although he was playing well at the start of last year, do we think that Molinari would have won what four times? Would have won the Open? Would have won five out of five points at the Ryder Cup? No, but we and been, have been the, and been and suddenly turned into almost some cult hero as well. I don't think any of us thought that or would have been able to guess that. No, but it wasn't a fluke. Everyone knew that he's a quality competitor who's reaching the peak of his career now, at the age of thirty-six or whatever. He's worked very hard to get to this point. He's added distance to his game. He's learned how to putt. He's been working with Dave Allred, the uh, psychology coach guy. He worked. With <laughs> Psychology coach who guys. worked with Luke Donald, mental game coach. Yes, and uh, Johnny Wilkinson and many other successful sports stars. So, uh, so yeah, could he win more majors this year? Potentially. Oh, would that be great? Without he's, doubt. I mean, he's. I think. Um, I'm, try, I'm trying to think what his his records like at Augusta. I think he's not bad, but nothing spectacular. And you would think actually he's he's shot shaping anything like that. He wouldn't. He, he should. Be able to get it round Augusta pretty pretty well. Uh, you think? Yeah, exactly. Well, any think, course? I think you get it round any course. Absolutely. Pebble Beach, Bethpage, if, especially if they get the rough rough up at Bethpage. Yeah, everyone uh, knows how good. Uh, that's Molinari exactly what I was going to say. I think Bethpage, which is going to be very tough, we think. You know, I think he with his he's got such a good. I always say this about a lot of players. But he's such a good ball striker. He can keep his ball not only in play but. And gets it down, gets it down there as well. Um, and his putting is just a revelation, isn't it? So it's really good to see. No, a European there, and there was lots of Englishmen up there. There was, there's Fitzpatrick, there was Wallace, there was who else was there? There was a couple of others. Uh, Englishmen, I don't know. 
McElroy, British. He, McElroy's not English. He's, uh, Cabrera Bayo, European. Yes, he's, he's not Fitzpatrick. English. Fitzpatrick. I don't know what other Englishman you were looking Maybe at. Maybe I was looking at something else. But, uh, no. you know, there's, there's, there was fantastic... It was just great to see so many Europeans. It was awesome to see Matt Wallace up there, actually. Yeah. And, and Wallace was bogeyed the last two holes to fall out of a share for third place, which probably cost him a lot of money and quite a few world ranking points. But... He he's a character, isn't he, Wallace? And I think he's going. He just feels like he's going to do something big. Yeah, I, uh, love I think him. he'll win on the on the PJ Tour. He really cares. He was he was showing some emotion when he hold a putt or didn't hold a putt, and not maybe in the petulant way that sometimes someone like Till Hatton can do. Maybe Hatton was the other person I was thinking of. Um, he's actually, you know, he, I think he he really. Uh, I think the crowd get behind him because they see he looks like he's a nice guy. And he really cares about being he's out there. the modern day Ian Poulter, isn't he? And he said before that wow, he, he I mean, wants that's... to be the Ian Poulter of the Ryder Cup. And look at him, he wants to. And also sticking, well, I know we're going to talk about McElroy, but who looked like they wanted to win that tournament more on Sunday? Matt Wallace or Rory McElroy? Perhaps McElroy could take some inspiration from Matt Wallace and get that drive and determination. I think that's that he a has. little bit harsh on Rory. Because Rory doesn't show his emotion out on the course that much, uh, but he does obviously say his mark says what he wants to say off the course. And maybe this is a good point that we'll switch over and get our view from the clubhouse, which again uh, is going to be provided this week by by Sam Tremlett. Uh, Sam is one of our writers, and he has been chatting about Rory. And the question that we really want to put is: Has Rory McIlroy lost his winning touch? Hello and welcome to another edition of View from the Clubhouse. I'm Sam Tremlett and today we are going to discuss Rory McIlroy. And basically, in short, I'm tired of criticism against him. Many criticise him for some of the things he says, focusing too much of his time in the United States and not winning enough in contention, all of which I believe to be unfair. And I'm going to stick up for the man. Obviously he doesn't need me to, and hopefully he doesn't care what anybody else says about him, but I'm going to give my thoughts on this regardless. Right now... So to that first criticism, I ask you, would you rather McElroy never said anything interesting at all? Would you rather he be another golfer retreating to anonymity? We constantly want to see golfers speak their mind and say something that isn't a rehearsed line prepared by some PR agent. But when someone like McElroy speaks his mind and speaks honestly, many criticise him for that. So basically he can't win, can he? Second, Rory has more than paid his dues to the European Tour. He helped build the Irish Open into one of the biggest tournaments on the tour. Uh, his wife is American, and clearly Macquarie wants to spend as much time in the US as possible. What's wrong with that? Why do people criticise him for doing what he wants to do? It's his life. Let him live it, I say. And finally, his struggles during the final round of the Arnold Palmer Invitational have freshened the criticism on him, not winning enough winning contention. Now, first, I agree to some extent, someone of his skill, talent and experience should be winning more. But but I've seen some say he is no longer an elite player, an elite winner, and he doesn't win because he can't putt. And I don't believe any of that. He clearly is an elite player and winner, and I think it's too simplistic to say putting is the only reason he doesn't win. No, I think a bigger factor at play is pressure. Name me another golfer who is under as much pressure to win as Rory. Aside from Tiger, there isn't really anyone, and not many truly expect Tiger to win because of his back and his issues. It's more of a happy surprise than expectation. So no one is under as, as much pressure as Rory, and he's probably a victim of his own success in that regard. When he's in contention, we expect him to win, 
to the extent he possibly tries too hard, I think. And therefore, when he doesn't win, he gets absolutely canned. His mistakes get magnified and he can't hide behind anyone. Whereas someone like Brooks Koepka has the luxury of hiding behind people like Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas. He can slip back into relative anonymity, which Rory cannot do. So when Kepka doesn't win, it's no big deal. When Rory doesn't, then he is a choker and is in some sort of crisis. It seems he's held to an unfair standard, I think. And what gets forgotten is that golf is hard. Winning is hard. Molinari shot 64 on the final day to win. That is hard to beat on any day. Right, so basically I'll wrap this up now. I think we need to cut Rory some slack in every aspect of his game and his life. He is still one of the best, most exciting players on tour. He is charismatic and people want to see him. He is a winner and he will win again soon. Right, let me hand you back to Tom and Elliot now, where I hope they will give their opinions on the Northern Irishman. So that was some interesting points that Sam put forward there. The thing, the one that really sticks out for me is about the amount of pressure that Rory is under and how compared to the rest of the world's golfers, especially Americans, I think Rory's under much more pressure than anybody else. Uh, I think the thing which was really... Um, got to him is that if he'd won the 2011 Masters when he was was clear and then had that horrendous uh, blow up on the back nine um, then actually the Grand Slam maybe would have already been won but instead of that every time he goes to Augusta he has this extra pressure of being this guy who hasn't won the Masters he should have won the Masters can he do the Grand Slam at the you know the the major that everybody really wants to win and I just think it, the pressure is just is just huge for him uh, but that's I, not right now though This talk, we're talking about his last nine final groups which dates back to the Masters last year ever since then yeah, but but well, in the, Dubai last year. Yeah, but in the last year, he, well, he won the Arnold Palmer Invitational last year, and he since then he has he's still sixth in the world. I mean, you don't get to sixth in the world without playing particularly good golf. He's had how many top tens in a row? Six or something along those lines. Five top tens. The five. last time he had six in a row. Sorry, the last time he had five in a row, he then won the next week. Apparently. Oh, there you I go. Think I saw that. On so does that mean he's going to win the Players Championship? Possibly. So you've got some stats here, have you not, about him, uh, about where he's been finishing? Yeah, so it's nine in a row now, starting from last year's Dubai Desert Classic, where he lost to Hao Tong Lee from the final group. The Masters, he shot 74, two over, lost to Patrick Reed. The BMW PJ Championship, he lost to Molinari by two, and he finished birdie birdie, so that made that look better. Um, Bridgestone Invitational, where he was outclassed by Justin Thomas. BMW Championship, where Keegan Bradley won, beat Justin Rose in the playoff. Tour Championship, he played with Tiger Woods in the final round, ended up losing by six. Tournament of Champions this year, where Schofle shot 11 under, so you can't really blame him there. Mexico, where DJ got that free drop. He got off to a very slow start anyway. And then last week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So he's just not doing it from the final group. For whatever reason, but he's not the he's not the only person that we've spoken to about that. He was also sh- has been struggling to convert these fifty four hole leads into into victories. And Rory is one of those guys. So last year at the Arnold Palmer, he shot sixty four to come from a few shots back to win, uh, and he's done that b- before at, when he won his first event at Quail Hollow. He shot what did he shoot in the final? Sixty two. He came back from miles back to win, and maybe that is. When Rory's at his best, when he's just going out there, just trying to shoot as low a score as possible, not worrying about anything else about, around him, and not having the pressure of having that victory. 
which again, maybe, you know, if you look at Tiger and his record when leading is obviously imperious. But Rory will go down as one of the greatest players of all time. Correct. And should he not be able to handle this pressure, like I said already, like Nicholas and Woods have completed the career Grand Slam three times each. When he, if he does win Augusta, will he then start winning multiple majors? I, I again? really think. I really like, think. What's that, happening? I think that's a, a good question. That if he does win Augusta, I could see him winning five times this year, five six times. But it's, I think Augusta is such a key piece to the puzzle for McIlroy. It's the thing that I think he feels the biggest pressure on. Uh, every other event, you know, he likes to win. But I think if he, if he, he's just so. Um, interested in winning that and so desperate to win that now that um, I hope he, he you know maybe chats to uh, Molinari's mental coach or something like that maybe tries to tr- do something a little bit different to maybe just get him point. into a, a bit of a better place um, because I think there is pressure if anyone saw if anyone can remember sorry uh, his tee shot on the first uh, Augusta in the final round last year when he hit a horrendous uh, well, it was a huge slice, really, into dreadful... Well, he did very well to get up and down. I think he managed to escape with a, with a part. Oh, or part. Yeah, maybe. Somehow. Managed somehow. Uh, and then he is second on the par five second to six feet, or like, which probably wasn't the shot he was going for. He just hit a poor shot, but it actually turned out so well. And then missed the putt. And then he just never recovered from that. And, you know, these are things that he, he doesn't do. You know he doesn't he doesn't hit these huge wayward shots. So that in itself shows the pressure that that was on him on that day, and he's going to feel it again this year. Do you not think that he should employ a new caddy? I think so many times when I watch him, he makes very silly like course management errors, strategy errors that perhaps like I said in the article I wrote yesterday, someone like if he could temp bones out of retirement or. I, I think it's uh, a fair point. Gareth and Lord. If we, go, we look at how much uh, a caddy has an effect on someone, if we look at Matt Fitzpatrick, who did very well this year, uh, very, very well last week, got Billy Foster on the bag yeah. with him now, and they seem to be having a great laugh. Billy, Billy knows how to you know, look after you know, his player. He knows his way around courses. He knows when to talk, when not to talk, when to lighten the atmosphere, you know, when to shut up. And I think Fitzpatrick could actually have a very good year because of that. Um, he's even wearing a Leeds United uh, yeah, I saw that. cap, wasn't he? So it shows that they're, you know, they're very good mates now. So um, yeah, I think I think that's a fair point. He needs a caddy that tells him what to do and plots him around the golf course. Not like I know when he employed Harry, he was like, "Yeah, I'm, I love it. I can take responsibility. I do my own yardages." A bit like what Westwood's doing now with his wife and his son. But McIlroy shouldn't be doing that because he's not even thirty yet. Yeah, I think, but I think I don't think I have a problem with Rory sorting that all out. He still plays at a great pace. Fitzpatrick again; those two were playing at really nice pace in the final group, and they got held up on every single hole yeah. last last week because the group in front of them, or well, one of the players in the group in front of them, was taking an absolute age. So I don't have a problem with Rory doing the yardage. It's just the little moments in a round or a little moments in a tournament where you could just do with someone who's got who's been there and won these events with a player and said hang on a second let's just take a moment there's nothing wrong with taking a moment every now and then in, in the round to make sure that the, sh- the right shot's being played 
and the right tactic is being employed. So, um, yes, it's a, it's a fair point, and whether he will, we don't know. At the moment, I don't think there's any chance of that happening, but we'll wait to see. So, has he lost his winning touch? Well, he hasn't won for a year, but he's playing so well without winning that, no, I can't say that. I agree with that. Uh, he could win at the... You know, this week he could win next week. This would be a great week for him to win, and it'd be a great title to add to. Yeah, we're talking about the players' championship, of course. Yeah. And uh, yeah, absolutely, of course, it would be a great. Title. I, I, it looks to me like he's lost his winning touch, especially when you realise that he hasn't won a major in over four and a half years. Yeah, uh, it's. I think it's quite worrying because he's. He's the best golfer in the but world. How old is he? He's twenty nine. Exactly. We're talking I about know. you're talking about Molinari reaching his peak. Uh, in 30, he's 36 or whatever yeah. and he's got years of play still to go from, just for Molinari that, that, that's almost a decade away from yeah, no, that's true that's so true. Uh, I don't think there's any need to panic and I think if we look back on it his career fingers crossed this is what happens we look back at that he, you know he came into the world and he was doing so well and he won all those majors in a really short match space and time had a little bit of a, a doldrum period and then you know, then went on and, and and really stepped up his winning ways. If if that happens, then this little doldrum period is is going to be forgotten very quickly. So um, yeah, I hope it hasn't tarnished his legacy. Like, so we'll look back and be like, oh yeah, but he was a bit quiet for five years, wasn't he? I or don't think people six look years. That. I don't think people. Look that. And if you look at all the great golfers, they've all gone through periods when they didn't win, and then they have gone on to to then win again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's 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 wait and see. If anybody thinks I'm a Roy McIlroy hater, I am most definitely not. I really wanted to win the Masters. It would just be as incredible, we, wouldn't it? As do we all. I had money. I, th- on it. I had money on uh, on him at the weekend. I wish he'd won then, but never mind. Even now, he's the best player in the world, isn't he? In terms of form. Did we talk about Tommy Fleetwood? No, there you go. That's that- the other English. I just I just remembered who the other Englishman was. That I was trying to talk about um, you. Because that's backed who I him, backed. You? <laughs> and you you backed him because last year you had a bad round, but apart from that it was all good. Exactly what I said. And this he year, did exactly the same thing. Yeah. One bad round. And it he was a very s- bad round. And wasn't on, it 76? Yeah. It was, it, well, and he did well to do that. So they were, him and Keane Bregan were four shots clear going into the third round, and they ended up three shots back, I think. He finished third in the end. So uh, that was the other English. It finally came to my head. Um but yeah, well, well, we'll wait and see how Rory goes. Fingers crossed. It's going to be uh, a, a good, another good week this week going into the, the Masters, which is, well, a month away, less than that. So there was another event last week, the Qatar Masters, which we'll talk about quickly. Justin Harding won. Uh, he birded three of the last four holes to beat eight players by two shots. It's his first European Tour title for the South African, and he's now 52nd in the world. And that's quite an important mark for him because if he can get into the top 50 just before the Masters, he can still get an invite to the Masters. Now, you picked Justin Harding, did you not, in your Players to Watch in 2019 post that you did at the start of this year? Oh, thanks for pointing that out, Tom. (laughs) Yeah, I've made quite a big deal out of this because we've had a lot of winners from this article already. How many people in that post? Let's get this right. 20. 20. So it wasn't exactly three and they've all won. He's 20 players. Well, already this year we've seen Xander Schofle win. Yeah, he's a good player. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau won. Yeah, you, he, how many times did he win in 2018? That was hardly... You Four, know. I think. Yeah, exactly. Five times, That wasn't actually. really look, picking one out of the you know thin air there, was it? Matt Wallace, who was second. Yeah, he Dubai won three, Desert, four times last year as well. Dubai Desert Classic and... 
Come on, let's get to the ones that have actually well, just, people will be impressed with. Just scrolling down. <laughs> Wackham Neiman, watch out for him this but year. But has he won? Not yet. No. Come on, let's get to someone that's actually Andrew won. Andrew Putnam finished second at the Sony Open. Tom Lewis. Has won this year. No, he hasn't. Hasn't he? Justin Harding, here we go. I'll, I'll read out exactly what I wrote. Here we go. Harding is by no means a spring chicken at 32 years of age, but he has clearly found something in 2018, which has turned out to be the season of his life so far. The South African won four times in six starts in 2018, with a seven-week run of second, first, first, sixth, first, tied 18th, first. Two of those wins were on the Sunshine Tour, the other two were on the Asian Tour. He also had two seconds, two thirds, six other top tens, and saw his world ranking rise from outside the world's top 700 to a career-high 76th. Some incredible stats there, earlier, And fair point. Thank you. Which you found, uh, you, you know, you tracked him down. Look and who's do... uh, just below him as well. Your favourite betting tips. Bo Hostler, oh, yeah. good player. Um, yeah, Harding's obviously playing very well. And he's, that's a huge rise, isn't it? Outside 700 to, to inside the top 100. That's, that's yeah. amazing, isn't it? But um, I thought he played very well. It wasn't the easiest conditions in Qatar. And uh, the field, there's few people in contention. And uh, a few of them were struggling on the greens in particular. But I thought he played really nice. He just stuck in there and then... And then that last little bit where you've got those three birdies in four holes, you know, suddenly he was there to, you know, to he timed his run perfectly. That was a European Tour record, I think. Eight players to finish runner-up as well. Indeed. So, no, really, really good. But this week, what have we got going on? We've got the Players' Championship, which takes place. It's the unofficial fifth major, of course. And the top Englishman in the current world rank is Justin Rose is there and we we caught up with Justin Rose quite recently at Saudi International and we've got the whole interview to listen to now which is a really good insight about his new clubs about how his game is and um, yeah you should really enjoy it so here's Justin Rose hey, congratulations massive win yeah it was it was great so you know it's fun to win um, well so early in the year really kind yeah. of kicks everything off and yeah, get, get the tail up for sure yeah. What were your expectations going into the week? Honestly, none, I suppose. Um, obviously, new equipment, lots of changes. So San Diego is a, a venue that I feel like I should do well at. And I've learned in the last few years that when it's my first tournament of the year, it's quite a tough venue to come out first time. It can be cold, windy, courses can play long and tough. So the last couple of years I've played before getting to Tory, and that's, that's really helped. So I think I've, you know, top 10 a couple of years ago, last year fourth, this year you know, winning it. So sort of found my rhythm a bit earlier at the start of the year. Uh, it helps me dictate my schedule a little bit easier going into Augusta. You know, I played a lot of golf at the end of 2018 and uh, after this event here in Saudi, I was always planning to take a bit of time off, three weeks. I might extend that now to four weeks. I might skip the Honda, um, which will really freshen me up with a run into Augusta. So, you know, you know, a lot of my goals this year are based around recovery. You know, I've had a big, really, if I look at the overall... You know, load on my system. Uh, 2017 and 2018 have been big years with a lot of travel, and I think maybe 2018, uh, 2019, sorry, is a year for me just to cut back just a little bit ahead of 2020. So 2020, I'm already looking at 2020 as a big year. You know, it's, it's got the Olympics, it's got the Ryder Cup. So all the decisions I'm making this year almost got next year in mind as well. But you know, my, one of my major focuses this year is uh, focusing on my recovery, but more importantly, being ready for the major championships. Uh, Equipment-wise. Honestly, I hadn't really taken my new clubs on the course until 
Palm, uh, Palm Springs from right. the Desert Classic. Yeah. I've been hitting a lot of shots on the range and working with them. Did you get comfortable with them? To... No, no. Uh, Japan came to me. Right. Andy. Which was nice. So, we, you know, I've had three or four testing occasions with Honma. You know, they came to the Bahamas and I got very comfortable with the look and feel of the clubs. And yeah. But even last minute, I was, you know, sort of tweaking loft and lies, even as late as... Uh, the Bob Hope trying to just get everything perfect because once you start getting into tournament mode you notice things that you don't quite notice when, when you're in the balls in the range so um, but yeah they look fantastic they feel great and uh, the driver's probably been the biggest surprise of how, how easily I've transitioned into that what if you don't mind me asking what, what sort of triggered the change I know you had a fantastic 20 year relationship with the guys at TaylorMade yeah you know, yeah, it's bittersweet for sure but I hold TaylorMade in real high regard you know, they're a fantastic company it's just, I was actually looking for something a little bit different. I, I was looking for a little more flexibility. I was looking for the potential to, to play a different putter should I choose to. I didn't want to be locked in to having to use a particular style of putter or brand of putter. Uh, there was a tech, putter technology called Axis One that I really liked, and I, I wanted to at least have the option to try that. So that started sort of negotiations and talks and you know, tailor-made. You know, they, they were quite keen on 14 clubs and ball being you know, all in just you know I think they're icon players they want kind of all in and that, that was I just felt I'm at a point in my career where I didn't want that I wanted that flexibility and I'd seen guys like Patrick Reed and some of the Nike players who then had flexibility to play whatever clubs that they wanted and I just observed what they were using and it was a mixed bag of stuff so but I think it was important for me to have a relationship with a manufacturer that I felt could build me clubs to my preference, to my spec. And sometimes you don't want to be completely out there testing everything. So I think Honma was a perfect fit for me from a sort of a blade construction point of view and even their cavity backs. I mean, they just make wonderful equipment. The attention to detail is what's blown me away. They've got 300 master craftsmen in Japan that make everything by hand and so, you know, I've discussed everything with them, the way the, you know, the, 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 the bounce, the sole, the leading edge, the groove length, uh, the way the toe rounds. So everything's to my preference and how, you know, a blade is kind of like a relationship. You know, you want to look down and it needs to look good and feel good. Um, so we've really worked hard on that. But they've come with new technology as well. You know, uh, they, have the, they have the lightest carbon crown in the industry on the driver. And they hadn't had that before. So obviously all these drivers are all going to you know, the mixed material with a carbon crown. So, so Honda hadn't had that until this year. And what they've come out with has been unbelievable. So that I didn't know was in the pipeline. So when I started, because I knew I was going to Honda as early as May, June last year. So um, I had plenty of time to get my head around it. So do, you try, do you ever try any of the other guys? No, I didn't try anything else. No, I wasn't going to go into search mode. Um, I just felt like it was the right fit for me. I wasn't going to go to another like Callaway deal, 14 clubs and ball. I, you know, I just stayed at TaylorMade. Yeah. I felt like Honma gave me everything I was looking for. I wanted to actually start by going back to Carnisti last year. I know it was a terrific comeback for you after after the start. What were your sort of when you look back now? Are you proud of that that comeback you made, or are you is there a little bit of disappointment there that had you just started a little bit there? You could you'd have been well in. I look at no, I don't, I, I don't dwell on things to no. be honest with you at all. You know, I, I enjoyed the buzz of competing down the stretch. I had half a chance. Obviously, there were, there were a few guys that finished at six under. I think it was six under, and it was great to come from the cut line all the way through. You know, it gives me more evidence that I'm, I'm getting closer to playing well at the Open. You know, and uh, it was nice to finally eclipse my amateur result. 
Uh, it took a while, but... You know, Francesca hit a wonderful tee shot down 18, but it skipped past the bunker by a couple of yards. You know, and that catches the edge of the trap, and he doesn't make birdie, he may make bogey, suddenly you're in a playoff. So, you know, I was right there. And that's, that, those are the situations you just have to keep putting yourself in. And uh, I, I was happy the way I came through the field. And what I was most happy about is that once I played myself into contention, I played the remaining holes with freedom. Then suddenly play my way into contention and get tight. You know, that, and that's something that I will learn and, and take forward. I mean, you must feel now that you're obviously having reached number one in the world, having started with a win, you must feel really excited about the coming season. Yeah, I do, yeah. I mean, definitely... My confidence is up for sure. Um, having got to number one, I think, has been a, you know, a, a nice milestone in my career. And it's been a byproduct of playing good, solid golf for a long period of time. Um, I think winning as well, number one, against a quality field and a quality golf course has given me extra confidence for sure. You know, I had a tough start on the Sunday. Uh, I felt really good. I felt in control, but just nothing went nothing went my way for the first six holes. You know, everything was a bit of a kick in the balls. Um, every hole, it was something that happened that just didn't didn't make the start easy to deal with, but I never panicked and never really lost faith or confidence in myself. And I think that that maybe wouldn't have happened, you know, a year ago even. So always, you're always growing, always evolving, and um, yeah, I feel like I'm in a good spot. So I was, uh, well, was going to touch on, you know, I don't want to give you bad vibes or anything, but do you ever, do you think now's the time to add that six years since that USA win? You must think. Yeah, definitely. It's not, it's not a monkey on your back by any means. But no, I mean, listen, majors are hard to win, and but I feel my game suits major championship golf, and I think it should be in my wheelhouse. And you know, I, I don't just want to win one major; I want to win all the majors that I haven't won. So you know, there's a lot of work for me to do in the next five, six, seven years of my career. You know, as long as I feel fit, and fresh, and healthy, and uh, very motivated. It, yeah, this time that's a big goal for me this year would be to kick on and do that. That motivation. How has that affected when you know when you land something on the FedEx Cup? I, mean, I couldn't help but overhear your your you're chatting there about your yacht. You're going on on the holiday. You, I mean, that's all something you're entitled to. Yeah. You earn your you earn your money. It's you know you're the top of the game in any sport. How does that affect motivation? You strike me as someone who's yeah. it's about the trophy. No, it is. It's, it's a byproduct. Totally is. You know. Uh, FedEx Cup's wonderful, but it's about the achievement of winning something season long. Checkers, I mean, that's obviously a big check, but honestly, I look at the FedEx Cup trophy in my trophy room and it makes me, that's what it's about for yeah. me. And, you know, I want to chase history. I want to, you know, my legacy in the game. I've got a great, you know, I've had a great career, but I'm, I'm on the verge of making it a special career. So I think that's what interests me now, for yeah. sure. And um, I feel like I'm beginning to finally fulfill my potential that I've always, people have always told me I've had. And, but you know what, you know, you've got people telling you is one thing but you've got to learn to believe it yourself and you know, I've probably been a little bit slower on the believing in myself part of the of the game but you know I'm, I'm starting to do that and I think when I, when I do do that when I get all aspects of my game right you know I, I will be hard to beat you know I've, I've had glaring gaps in my game as well putting hasn't really been that great for me in the last seven or eight years but I'm beginning to putt really really well combine that with my long game you know that's what's been the big difference the last few years so I, I'm, I'm dedicated to improving my weaknesses always looking at them where can I get better marginal gains um, so yeah I mean where are those marginal gains it's a real fine line between driving yourself mad and, and, yeah. and improving you know obviously you've got to take care of your strength too that's what that's what keeps you that's what keeps creating good scoring opportunities I would say I could make more mid-range putts 20-25 feet those are the putts that really sharpen up the scorecard 
last year my big improvement was three to eight feet, so I've got to keep that going. But then if I could tack on making some more mid-range putts, that would be huge. I would say, I'm not sure statistically this really adds up, but I would say having more confidence in my wedge game. There's such a knock-on effect to that. Sometimes I take too many risks when I'm out of position because I feel like I need to get it to the green or around the green rather than laying up to a number and feeling like I can make birdie or par that way. And I think, um, you know, I made a couple of doubles. Well, I made one double last week in, at Tory with that mentality. So I think there's still so many bits I can improve on. My iron play, I think, can get better. Uh, this was one of the reasons why I was happy to switch to Homer as well. I thought my iron play could improve. And... Yeah. Well, uh, one thing you're not in control of is emerging talent. I mean, I look at it as, a, as an outsider, as a golf fan now, and I see so many, I mean, there are so many of the names here this week. It's, it's, do you feel like the game's never been, it's never been so hard to win a tournament? I know you're knocking them off. Yeah, there's a lot of strength and depth now out yeah. there, for sure. And I think, obviously, you know, if you look at the world ranking last year, it, it flip-flopped a lot. Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, Brooks, myself, you know, it was going back and forth. So... There's a lot of parity at the top, which, you know, you could argue that there's not one superstar. There's one, not, not one sort of out and out, out and out number one. And I'd agree with that. You know, it's all been very nip and tuck at the top. So it's think, there's, room, there's room for anyone like that now? Yeah, so I think I think there's still room for that. I mean, um, I mean, if you judge it by Tiger standards, yeah. probably not. I mean, Jordan Spieth was probably as close to it for yeah. a period of time. You know, he came yeah. on, he won his three, four, three majors, I think it is, yeah. like really quickly around the age of 21, 22. Like, that's unheard of. But he's struggling. Golf's hard. To keep it together, to keep it at the very top for so long and to be so dominant is very rare. And I think we should all respect Tiger for what he's done. And... You know, I think, unfortunately, he's spoiled it for the rest of us, you know, because he's created the benchmark that is very hard to live up to. But I think, um, you know, I think I have an opportunity. There's, not, there's no one in the game that I play with that I feel that has anything over me, really, when I'm playing well. So that's a nice position to be in. And that's, you know, that's never happened in my career. You know, I've worked hard to get to that point and I've worked hard physically. I've got attributes now in my game I never had before in terms of distance off the tee. I, because obviously you feel that was something you had to do. I mean, yeah, I mean, we had a we had a very concerted effort four or five years ago called Project 300, where I felt like I had to start, you know, competing and, and hitting the ball further. But with that, there was a cost. Physically, it took its toll. My back started hurting me again in 2016, so I had to learn how to harness that extra speed safely. So it's like always, there's always a knock-on effect, you know. And it's, you know, you learn as you go, but. You, you can't play this game without power anymore. You can't get to the top, I don't think, without power anymore. Do you remember when you turned professional? Were you going to the gym in those days? Or? I've always trained. Yeah. You know, I've always have been to the gym, but I would say now it's very methodical. You know, there's always a purpose to it, and I would say I focus way more on recovery now than I ever have. So I do train, but I train smart. I'm not, I'm not just in there for in their sake. I'm in there at the right time. You know, we, we monitor my sort of physiology daily, so I get like a, a sort of a score on my wellness daily, okay. and I and that, and that dictates where my physiology is versus should I train hard or do I need some recovery. Okay. So it's becoming very high tech, you know, um, even health and wellnesses. So and I think we're at the cutting edge of that. You know, I work with a great guy, Justin Bugthorpe, who really leads that side of my team, and I lean heavily on my team. I've got a great team around me and. I've always said it's like bowling with the bumpers up. Yeah. You know, um, if I start to veer off course, there's always someone to nudge me back on track. And 
as I've gotten older, I've learned to be a better CEO. Uh, put good people in place. And, you know, at, at times, to be vulnerable enough to lean on them and, and ask for help. You came through Q School twice, was it? Uh, yeah, at least twice. Um, I think I said three or four times, actually. Yeah. yeah. The journey to, to number one now, but looking back then, did, was there ever a time, especially, uh, you've probably talked about this in length, but you're 21, Mr. Cuts, was there ever a time when you thought, I'm not going to do this, thought about doing something else, or were you always... No, I never... I'll make, this, I'll make this work. I was lucky that I never stopped loving the game. I've always loved the game. Mm. Now, I can imagine that if you're struggling and you, st and you lose the love of it, then you're in trouble. But I still loved it and I was struggling. And that, I think if that's the case, you, you know, you still got that energy to work hard. I was despondent at times and frustrated at times, but I never ever questioned myself in terms of doing something else. I just wanted to quickly touch on your life in the Bahamas. It's, um, I know you've got family there. Is that, is that a perfect place for you? I think so, so. When I lived in America, I was very happy just being in America. And, you know, when you live in, America, you don't really miss England per se because America has everything you need. It's a very convenient lifestyle. But living in the Bahamas, I feel, has really strengthened my connection back to the UK. I feel that you know, living on an island, there's the urge to get off the island when you can. And as soon as my kids break up from school, we now we head back straight back to the UK and spend eight weeks there in the summer. And you know, really, really enjoy being back in England. But I think so. So the Bahamas is a perfect halfway house for me between England and America. It's close enough to the states where. That's where I play most of my golf, so it's easy to travel from, to and from. You know, it's only 30 minutes from Miami, so, you know, I'm really in close proximity to most of the East Coast tournaments. But yet there's a direct BA flight back to London most evenings, and we feel very connected. It's always good to get home. You know, I don't get back enough, obviously, and life, you know, with two young kids, kind of, yeah. you get pushed and pulled in different directions. I don't get a lot of my own time, but it's always good to see the boys. Well, I, know, I know how that feels. I've got yeah. in, in Do you know, I've been very lucky that I felt like my, really, my some of my best golf, has coincided with having kids. And I don't know if I was always too hard on myself or if I was too intense with my golf and then having kids maybe was the like slight distraction that I maybe needed to mellow mellow a little bit. But yeah, anyway, it, it is tough because kids, you know, listen, yeah, they're, they're, they're wonderful, but they're hard work. You've got to be ready for them. There's no turning back. Justin Rose there. Elliot, do you think I have a chance this week? Definitely, yeah. He seems to be doing everything right. Like Molinari as well. He's in that... I don't actually know how old he is. He's, is he 40? Is he nearly 40? But, yeah. <laughs> prime of his career. He's doing things right. He's taken lots of weeks off to rest that body. He's focusing on the majors and the fifth major, like we got this week. So, um, yeah. And, yeah, and it is this week. It's the Players' Championships, TPC Sawgrass, of course. Got incredible 17th hole, which is everyone calls an island green. It's not an island green, is it? It's a peninsula green because yeah, well, you can walk across to it. Can't but you'll find it parties, aren't you? Indeed. <laughs> Cheeky. Uh, it's the unofficial fifth major. Uh, Webb Simpson won by four shots last year. Absolutely ran away with, with it. With a double bogey on the last. Yes, he shot that 73 in the final round. He, lots he, of fun to watch. Yeah, he um, he just ran away with it. Uh, Siwoo Kim won two years ago. Uh, this year's purse is up from 11 million to 12.5 million, which is the largest in golf. Tiger Woods is playing and he's been working with putting coach Matt Killen. It says here, Elliot. What can you talk about, talk about Matt Killen? He's worked with Matt Killen before. Mm -hmm. Matt Killen works with, or has worked with Justin Thomas, Bud Cawley, and another 
similar golfer to like Bud Cooley, that kind of level. After putting, yeah, so Woods pulled out last year, uh, last week, didn't he? He had a, a neck strain, but he, I've seen tweets already that he is at Sawgrass. He's wandering around with his cap back to front, looking cool, and he's ready to go. Obviously, last week he just wanted to rest his neck because he has got to look after his body. So maybe just he would have loved to obviously play the Arnold Palmer Invitational because he's won it so many times. But uh, he's hopefully going to be ready to go. Yeah, I remember his caddy Joe LaCarva said last year that he's going to eat up TPC Sawgrass over the next few years. So if his game's good, which it could be good, if he's been allowed or if his body has allowed him to practice, I don't know if it has, then expect to see him contend, especially with his putting coach. Indeed. So a, a Tiger Woods round sawgrass that's putting are you, well. Are you are you uh, are you backing Tiger to win this week? No, I'm backing Rory McIlroy. <laughs> He's got to win eventually, hasn't he? But yeah, yeah Tiger Woods. So is Rory, my second Rory's favourite. Rory and DJ are favourites, eleven to one. Quite longish odds compared to the last few few um, events that we've had for the for the favourites. My Betty tips, they're going okay this year. I am very good at picking people who finish one shot back at the moment. So I had Jorge Campillo, who uh, finished second uh, in Qatar last week. Then I also had Tommy Fleetwood, who finished third uh, at the Arnold Palmer. So we're getting there. We're, we're, each way money. Each way, exactly. A bit of each way money is always good, but it would be nice to get a couple of winners. So who am I picking this week? Well, we've already mentioned him. I'm backing Tommy Fleetwood again. He's 25 to 1. He was third last week, as already mentioned. And he was seventh there last year. I think he's just playing really nicely and if he can just stop having one bad round I think he's going to be right up there what do you think about Tommy good pick yeah it's a it's a ball striker's course so they say and Tommy Fleetwood is a ball striker he's now used to his new irons which we were a little bit worried about a few weeks ago weren't we but clearly playing his best stuff again if he can avoid that bad round the other pick that I have, I'm going for... I'm actually going to give three picks away this week. Are you backing four players? I'm going to be backing five players on Ooh. my betting tips. So if you want to see all the betting tips, do Google Golf Betting Tips and click on our post. But the other one I'm going to reveal on the podcast is Xander Schufle. 23 to 1. Favourite of mine. Cool, that's good odds. 23 to 1. Second there last year. He's the FedEx Cup leader at the moment. Playing well. Already won. He's got everything, you know, he's coming under the radar. No one really talks about him because he's not one of the big, the big names that gets spoken about, Kupka or DJ or Rory. So, yeah, what do you think about him? Love Xander Schofle. I think he's going to be a massive star of the future. Indeed, yeah. I think he'll be a star of the very near future. Well, yeah. Um, I'm going to think he's going to be a star this weekend. Yeah, could win a major before the next Ryder Cup and he'll definitely be on the next Ryder Cup team. There you go. And then I'm going to give one more, and this is a bit more of a fun one, a big outside bet. 150 to 1. Martin Kamer. <laughs> touching. Now, he won in, the one there in 2014. Yeah, great win. And he has been playing poorly. Let's not, you know, for the last 18 months, two years. But there just seems to be a bit of signs of life that his game's coming back to a bit of form. Uh, played quite nicely last weekend. Uh, do, do you know, I was watching on Sunday. No offence to Martin Kymer, I used to be a massive fan of him. Still am, I guess, but he's completely lost it. And, um, I don't think he has completely lost it. And he came it. up on the telly and I was like, what on earth is Martin Kymer doing playing this late on a Sunday? Exactly, and he, he didn't play very well on Sunday. He shot over par and finished a little way back. 
I think he finished two or three over, two or three over par on Sunday. I think he finished three or four under. But on the on the first few days, he was playing quite nicely there, and it just seemed that he's one of those guys. He's done it before, where he um, won't be. In, although he was a former world number one, of course, he won't be playing particularly well. And then suddenly, he just plays so well that he'll win a tournament by a ridiculous distance. Uh, obviously, did it at the US Open, and <coughs> that was his last win in 2014. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, exactly. He's not been playing very well, as mentioned. That's why he's 150 to one. But as an each way bet. I think Kamer is worth a little, you know, pound each way, 50p. 50p. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, what a career he's had, though, really. He's won the US Open, he's won the PGA Championship and the players. Hold a, a winning Ryder Cup putt. Oh, of course, yeah. Being world number one. And he's not old either. So uh, he's another one, I think. Although in the doldrums, there's been plenty of other people who have been in the doldrums and some and suddenly come back. Look at Lee Westwood. Look at Tommy Fleetwood. He was playing particularly badly a couple of years ago. So, uh, so uh, yeah, there's three, three tips for you. Hopefully one of those uh, celebrating with that nice trophy on Sunday at Sawgrass. One thing I would like to add, I wrote an article this morning on the Golf Monthly website. If you look, it should be still on the homepage Tuesday or Wednesday. It needs a very big week this week to keep that fifth major tag. This, the, now this is something that I don't agree after with. After two I think, very boring. I think years. you are getting a little bit uh, overexcited about this because so, saying he's going to keep its tag as the unofficial fifth major. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what what does that mean? I mean, it is a it's a really amazing golf course. Everyone loves a golf course. Everyone likes a golf course because why do they like the golf course earlier? Because no, no, no. You're going to get this wrong. You're going to get this wrong. I know what. Why why do people love that golf course? Because we used to have it on Tiger Woods PGA yes, Tour. Yes, exactly, that is the correct answer. Everyone used to play um, Tiger Woods because Augusta wasn't on Tiger Woods, was it? It was one year. It, well, yes, exactly. But uh, when, you know, old school people like me used to always play Sawgrass and there is brilliant holes. It's not just the 17th. There's some other great holes on there. Huge bunkers, huge amounts of water to contend with. Not really a weak hole on that course, in my opinion. And it, that's why it's known as being kind of like this unofficial fifth major. It's always at the same course. Well, uh, there's four majors run by Augusta, RNA, USGA, PGA America. The PGA Tour are arguably like the fifth biggest entity out of those. Yeah. Or really, the PGA Tour wants to have its own major, and that's why they keep pushing it. But the players have not delivered in the last two years. And, and, and well, I think that's I think that's harsh. But and you can you can look back at any of the majors and say, oh, there's been the odd bad year when someone just runs away with it or it's not particularly entertaining. Uh, if you look back at some of the US Opens we've had recently where they've lost the course, although they were quite entertaining, they were entertaining for the wrong reasons. There's other times, you know, Tiger's run away with a major and everyone's been whooping and hollering because it's Tiger winning when actually it wasn't much of a spectacle. But, the, you know, the last few years, OK, Webb Simpson running away with it, he's not the most dynamic of characters the year before that Siwoo Kim oh, again wasn't great but there were storylines there remember that Ian Poulter had to, to yeah, finish second that. or whatever to keep his card and he somehow did he got made that incredible up and down on the, on the really line. the only thing that you can remember from 2017 was Ian Poulter shanking it on the 18th and then and then recovering yeah that was a great shot but in the world's top 5 there were none of them in the top 17 there and then last year there was I think DJ was. But that happens. There's been masters where 
where you know we've had outsiders win. That's golf. You're gonna. Ha- it's gonna happen. You know. Yeah, but it would be nice to this week. And, let, and let's and let's also let's remember the great moments that have happened at Sawgrass. Fowler birding every hole or whatever it was in the last last four holes. He birded seventeenth three times a row, didn't he or something? Yes. That was only a couple yeah. of years ago. Well, that was four years ago. Think now. of all those moments on that hole, Tiger. You know, it's, it, well, there's been some good tournaments there. I think you're yeah. being slightly harsh on it. The thing I say is that it has had a few strange winners, where you, th- you know, not really the big names have won. Uh, but then you look at lots of golf tournaments. Look at the BMW PGA Championship over Wentworth. It's had a lot of people who have been outsiders won. Some people say that actually makes it a better. Maybe it's a fairer test. You know, anyone can win it. So uh, I, I think sort of. Do we need a fifth major? Do we need to make turn that unofficial? Take get rid of the word unofficial. It's basically a major already. It's, you get the same amount of FedEx Cup points. You get the most m- money. More money. Or I think the other majors will match that this year. I'm not sure what the the exemptions are when you win, but I remember looking last year and they're basically the same as majors, or if not the exact same. So yeah, it's basically it's a major just, yeah. already. I mean, the mon- the money's the same. The course is excellent. The players are all there. Yeah. What is the actual difference? Other than the actual tag of being called a major. They may as well just make it a major, but then it will count in the major tallies, but what's wrong with that, really? Yeah. Can you call Webb Simpson a two-time major winner? What, is that a problem? No, but from maybe from next year... Webb Simpson won the US Open. Fair and square. Yeah. You know, Webb Simpson's a... Very good player. And also now, uh, this, the year's kind of broken up into like six six chunks, I would say. So you've got the players, the Masters, the PGA, the US Open, the Open, FedEx Cup playoffs. And I think the players... And, yeah, ne- next year we're going to have the Olympics at that same point and then the Ryder Cup as well. But also, the women's game, they have five majors. Yeah. It'd be nice to maybe, you know, use them as something to actually follow along instead of the other way around. Uh, take their lead on it. So. But I think the only reason why they wouldn't make it a fifth major is because it's another one in the US and it's... I think even the people in charge probably know that's a bit wrong when golf is such a worldwide game. Yeah. To I'd... have 80% of the majors in one country is shocking, really. Well, they have 75% at the moment. Yeah. And I don't think it's shocking because America's a, a very big pot, a very big place. They also back golf... They have huge purses. Everywhere you can tour, there's huge crowds. It doesn't matter where they play. Whereas if you... That's one thing I was going to mention. Qatar last week, there was nobody watching. No. There was time. There's some holes. The leads are playing. There's no, not one person watching them. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's okay going to these places and saying, oh, we're trying to grow the, grow the game. But then actually you've got to have the crowds there. You know, can you have a major there with no one watching it? No, be. but you could have a major in Australia, you could have a major in Asia, you could have one in mainland Europe. You, I mean, you you could do, you know, you could do, but at the moment I think that's quite far off. And actually I think you've got to realise that the PGA Tour is the biggest tour. It's not, you know, it's no use saying, oh, oh the European Tour and PGA Tour are the same. They aren't at the moment. They're not competing. Are you calling the European Tour a stepping stone? I'm not calling it a stepping stone. I'm I'm calling it... Although some players will use it as a stepping stone. I'm saying at the moment, you look at the difference between the European Tour. What is happening on the European Tour this week? 
It's the Magical Kenyan Open, which may be a good event. It may be looked after. But what's the price point of that? Probably a million? Who's the big name? Thomas Bjorn. You know, Thomas Bjorn, good player. He used to be a good player. He was the Ryder Cup captain. But I know it's up against the players, but the last few weeks have been pretty, you know, pretty poor tournaments. No, with the level, yeah, there was, there was no players in the world's top fifty playing last year, uh, last week at Qatar. The top player was Tom Lewis, and he's ranked fifty fourth in the world. So that, that shows that shows it. It's not it's not having the same effect at the moment. The European Tour. So actually, the PJ Tour and America, that's where they're doing it really well. They've got a really good product out there. If they're going to put another major there, I don't have a problem with it being there. Also, it means I can watch it in the evenings on a Sunday, which is much better than well, yeah, having to get you at 4am. You've sold that very well, but not not make another major, but just turn the players into a major. Yeah, and then there's, no, there's nothing stopping some of the other majors going around the world, really, is there? Yeah, you can't have the United States Open going around the world. You'd have the PGA Championship. What, the Professional Golfs Association of America? Yeah. Taking their tournament outside of America, that's a bit weird. It might be a bit weird, but you could do it. Um, There's nothing stopping it. But maybe we should chat about a world tour soon, because I'm very passionate about this. But amazing events like the South African Open, the Australian Open, really historic Opens like that, they should be bigger. And I, I think at the, the moment, they're not, they're not at the moment competing properly with whatever, whatever's happening in America the same week. So there will always usually be two events. There'll be one in America every week, and there'll be one in South Africa or Australia or wherever. And... The big story will usually come from what happens in America. And unless that turns around soon, then, you know, I don't know, is it ever going to be a world tour? Because why do the PGA Tour is like, why do we need to change? We're the ones who are doing it well. We've got huge money. We've got huge sponsors. We've got huge crowds. We get great coverage, not only in America, but around the world. Why do we need to change? I think that's the issue. Because golf is a global game and... Golf has incredible history. Yeah, and the, uh, but there are tours there. There's an Asia tour, there's the Af- uh, Sunshine Tour in Africa. And you, so the, it's not like the game's not being grown there. And the European tour does go to all over the place. The only place the European tour doesn't go to is America. I thought you were going to say Europe. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, sometimes, but some people... Well, the know. European tour, it's got WGCs in America, hasn't it? And majors in America, but yeah. no regular events. Yeah, maybe it's time for the W... That's a good point. WGCs, maybe they're the things that need to go around. You know, there's already WGC uh, over in Asia, HSBC champions. Do they get those huge crowds? Does that feel like a major? Not it, for it me. Probably, if you were there, it probably does. Yeah, but, but it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like that to me. And maybe those are the things which could be moved around and then they maybe could... You know, see if it actually has that chance of becoming, you know, somewhere that could hold a, a major. But at the moment, I don't think there's. I think there's more of a chance of Sawgrass being officially made a fifth major, even though it already is really, as we've already seen. Yeah. I mean, what other than in name, what is the difference? But yeah. Anyway, good chat on that. Yeah. Also, that. I'm sure you guys at home have got some comments about that. So do get in touch to let us know what you think about that. Do you think that the the Players Championship should become a proper fifth major uh, you can contact us through uh, Facebook Golf Monthly Magazine or on Twitter at Golf Monthly Instagram at Golf Monthly uh, or you can uh, email us if you want to that's golfmonthly at ti-media.com please do also leave us a review on iTunes as well yes um, and rate us on iTunes there and um, yeah 
There is one other event I've already said about, uh, which is happening this week, and that's the Magical Kenya Open. Yes, it is called the Magical Kenya Open. There's uh, something else added on that, supported by... I yes, but it's still it's known as the Magical Kenya Open, and I hope it is magical. Uh, and for our, our previews and the better tips, they'll be on the Golf Monthly website, golf-monthly.co.uk. Uh, Ho-Sung Choi is playing in that as well. There that's, you go. So um, that, if you want to see some crazy swings, then he's the man to... Uh, to follow on that I wonder why he's been invited into that hey yeah well to try and get some coverage on it yeah they're not silly anyway it is time for the quiz as it stands Elliot leads 5-4 after stopping the rot last week with a uh, uh, what did you win by two last week that was a dominant victory last week I've said this last few weeks and done well with a few guesses but I feel particularly unprepared for a quiz but yeah, me too as well, though. Well, I've been moving into a new flat. We'll give it a go. Don't start giving excuses. So, as ever, we've got ten questions. Play along at home. Let us know how you do. And Sam did the quiz, so if you don't like it, please do complain to him. Question one. <laughs> I've got no idea what this is. Which LPGA star did Donald Trump play golf with recently? Wow. I'm going to have to guess... So I have guessed. Question two. What country is Qatar Masters winner Justin Harding from? I've got one. Yeah, I know that. Thank goodness for that. Question three. Oliver Wilson, who we haven't chatted about this week, who was leading Qatar Masters. Yes. Oliver Wilson showed brilliant form in Qatar before fading away over the weekend. He eventually finished tied second, but can you tell me is a world ranking after the tournament. Closest wins. Ooh. Uh, uh, last week, there was one in it, wasn't there? I don't know, I've had to guess again. Yeah, I've guessed there's, that. I mean, there's a lot of guessing going to happen. Here we go. Question four. Patrick Reed was using a new golf ball at Arnold Palmer Invitational. What was it? Oh, you know this, don't you? <laughs> I, I do know this. I don't know the exact model. Because you know that golf balls have a an X or a V on the end or whatever, but I'll just say like the general brand. Okay. <laughs> I have not. I have not. I've had to completely guess there. Here we go. Ah, oh, question five. How many Englishmen finish in the top ten at Bay Hill? Oh, good question. We've been trying to talk about this all, all podcasts. I think it's that. Oh, here we go. Given it's the... Here we go. There's a little message here from Sam. Given it is the fifth major... It's not, Sam. It's the unofficial fifth major. Come on, keep up. I will now give you five questions on the Players' Championship. Oh, he didn't tell us this. Well, I probably guessed it's Players' Week. Question six. During competition, what is the highest score posted over 18 holes at TPC Sawgrass? Nearest wins? It doesn't say that. You've got to get it exactly That's what he's saying. Okay. I'm just completely... I'm just writing numbers yeah, down. Yeah, same. Question seven. In what year was Tiger Woods' famous better-than-most putt on the 17th? Oh, I think I know that. I don't. I'm going to have to guess again. I've guessed. Question eight. <laughs> Who has won the tournament the most times? Clue. It's not Tiger. Oh, Okay. Oh, I'm struggling with this. I'm trying to think of someone who's actually won it. 
See Woo Kim. I'm gonna have to come back to that. Uh, no, I'm not I'm gonna I'm gonna put that I'm gonna put an answer down. There we go. I'm not I've I'm written change my answer. I've written something which I'm I'm not sure he's even if he has ever won it. So if it is the right answer, it's a complete fluke. Uh, question nine. On his way to victory in twenty fifteen, how many times did Ricky Fowler burn the seventeenth hole throughout Ooh, the week? The week. This is again something we mentioned, I've guessed. There's an awful lot of numbers I've had to scribble down here, which I don't I'm not happy with any of them. I've got between one and nine so far. I know I've definitely got two. <laughs> That's brilliant. Question 10. Who was the last European to win the Players' Championship? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, I think I know. Oh, it's just suddenly come to me. I think it's just suddenly come to me. Well, he's definitely won. So there we go. Right. Okay. Right, I think, I'm hoping that's... Yes. Anyway, here we go. Question one. <laughs> I, I, should have got, I should have got this. Which LPGA star did Don Trump play golf with recently? I put Michelle Wee. I went for Christy Kerr. <laughs> it's Lexi Thompson. Oh, was it? We should have got that. I follow we? her on Instagram as well. I should have seen that. Indeed. Question two. What country is Qatar Masters winner Justin Harney from? South Africa. South Africa. Wee, worth the mark. Question three. Oliver Wilson showed brilliant form in Qatar before fading away. He eventually finished tie second, but can you tell me his world ranking after the tournament? I'll go first. Yep. One seven four. Oh, we've gone for very similar numbers. Oh, not again. Two seven three. Two seven three. One seven four. One six three. Cool. I thought I was quite close. I underestimated that. Boom! I'll take that. Uh, question four. This is I have no idea. Question four. Patrick Reed was using a new golf ball at the Arnold Palmer Invitation. What was it? Srix and Z Star. Oh, I've gone for TP five. Hang on, I haven't looked at the answer yet. Strix and Z stuff. Brilliant. Good. Back. Uh, Sorry, I don't like that question, Sam. Two all, was it, after four? Uh, well, I've got two, and you've got... Two as well. I've got that one back. All right, question five. How many Englishmen finished in the top ten at Bay Hill? Three. I've written three. Three. Fitzpatrick, ah. Fleetwood, Wallace. We did kind of say that already, didn't we? So, moving on to the Sawgrass questions. During competition, what is the highest score posted over 18 holes at TPC Sawgrass? 88. I reckon it's in the 90s. Have you put 88? Have you put 88? I've well? also put 88. <laughs> oh, God, let me see. It's 89. Is it? Oh. <laughs> you just swore. Um... <laughs> what was the next one? Uh, in what year was Tiger was his famous better than most putt on the 17th? 2001. Oh, yes. I put 2007. I was miles out. Did you? Yeah. Oh, that's rubbish, isn't it? You you put a tick there. Oh, I have. That was that was that was. That was all right. So um, I must be leading now by one. All right. Question eight. So getting excited. Who was who was won the tournament the most times? I put Fred Couples. Sam I'm, Sneed. I put. Crikey. Nicholas. Oh, look at that. I crossed him out. I'm not sure if he's Fred Cup. Has Fred Cup as well? I think he has, I don't know. Look it up. On his way to victory in the 2015, how many times did Ricky Fowler birdie the 17th hole for the week? Four. I also put four. It's five. Oh. So, I've got three. You've got... Four. So, it's on to the last one. Yeah. 
Who was the last European to win the Players' Championship? Martin Keimer. I've also put Marty Keimer. It's got to be, hasn't it? It's Marty Keimer. Yes. I put Stenson first and they crossed him out. I think Stenson won the year before. So no. you won by one. Five out of ten. And I got four out of ten. I was one out on that 88. Oh, well, so you, you've taken six, a 6-4 lead, but that oh, was a good quiz. Well done, Sam. I hope you did well at home. And thanks again for listening. If you've enjoyed, please do rate us and leave a review on iTunes. We're, of course, also on ACAST, Spotify, and other podcast providers. Uh, and, of course, do follow us on all our social media. Next week, we'll be reviewing the Players' Championship, seeing if any of my picks won. And looking ahead to the Valspar Championship and the Maybank Championship. Elliot, have a fantastic week. Thanks, Tom. You too. And we'll speak again next week.